that's life, friends. That's what you're feeling. Roaring through them veins of yours. Pulsing through those nerve endings. Which uh, are, of course, set to full sensitivity. And so it is uh, time once again to face what is. <laughs> and laugh right in the vast prism of... to salute uh, Philadelphia, which is one of the great fun cities of America and that uh, produces some fantastic fun people. Uh, police, uh, according to a note we just received in our newsroom, have a surprising uh, narcotic suspect on their hands. It's a uh, 90-year-old lady. Uh, police, <laughs> I said 90, 90. Uh, police said that the woman dropped three glazed packets containing a white powder believed to be heroin, and a neighbor said that uh, this lady lives alone and said she has noticed large numbers of teenagers going in and out of her home lately. So well, we'd like to salute. I'd like to see old people have a hobby. Uh, you know, it keeps them off welfare, and keeps their hands busy and all that sort of thing. And so tonight, which is uh, the beginning of another fantastic summer weekend. The captain shouts as best he can. Give me number two on that. Uh, number two. Yeah, we reversed the order. The captain shouts as best he can. We shall cut down the mast. By God, we are lost. Had a bear. Had a bear. Miss the train. Let's sing it out again. Come on, stand up. Pull in your gut. That's it. Let's see them news. The bear missed the train. Oh, the bear missed the train. The bear missed the train. And now he's walking. A bear missed the train. What's the matter? A bear missed the train. This is culture you're involved in, for God's sakes. Now he's walking on. Let's sing it out now, buddy. He's walking far. Now he's walking near. He's riding in a car. My God, he's drinking a glass of beer. Bear missed the train. Yeah. Bear missed the train. Sing it there. Bear missed the train. And now, a little casual work here now for the aficionados.
just wait a minute. No. No. Yeah, it's just going to have to be the way it's going to be. Oh, the bear missed the train. Of course, that's a Zen bear. Point is, what train did he miss? And what bear? And why was he getting a train? Where was he going? What mysterious errand was he about to take part in? And uh, not only that, why did he give all that up and start walking in your hair? And in addition to that, sitting around drinking beer. This is a very, very zen piece of music. You know, speaking of uh, of zen, uh, uh, are you enjoying the Watergate hearings as much as I am? Oh, I mean, I think they're just uh, they're the best thing since Perry Mason. You know, they really are. And uh, and some of the characters that are emerging are just absolutely uh, lovable, cuddly people. As a matter of fact, uh, my favorite character so far is that one senator, the one that has the deep, rich, southern accent, you know, with a great sense of morality, the one that keeps saying things like, Well, I, I see... I say to the witness, and I want to say, I want to go on. Re- I, I, I say, I want to go on record here as saying that I believe in the veracity of the witness. However, I want to question him on a point uh, on the day. Hey, uh, <coughs> well, I've got it here in my papers on the day on the day in question, uh, June twenty-seven. 1971, at 2.15 in the afternoon, uh, Mr. Bullard has testified that he said to you, uh, let's go down to the, uh, 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 see it says here, uh, let's go down to the water cooler and we'll talk about the matter under question. Now, I want to ask you a direct question. Did you or did you not have that conversation with Mr. Bullard on uh, June 27th, 1971, at 2.15 in the afternoon. Now, I'm not questioning your veracity. I just wish to get the record straight. I say the record straight. Uh, yeah, uh, let me see. Uh, yes, uh, uh, sir, uh, chairman, uh, it is my impression that uh, on the day... In question, uh, we did have that uh, discussion. Uh, yes, uh, we did. We did uh, discuss uh, going down to the water cooler and uh, having a discussion about the matter under question. Yes, uh, I believe that is my recollection, as far as I can recall, of uh, the time and place. Of course, that has to be put into context. And according to uh, the testimony that Mr. Bullard uh, made at that time, uh, I, uh, according to my counsel. Uh, that this was purely hearsay evidence. However, uh, to cooperate with the committee, I will say yes. Uh, we, uh, according to the best of my recollection, did have that uh, discussion. Well, I, I, I see. Uh, according to uh, Mr. Bullard's testimony, then you went down to the water cooler. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, yes, uh, I do believe we did go to the water cooler. However, I must say, for purposes of clarification, for the American public, that uh, we quite often went to the water cooler at that time of day. As a matter of fact, it has been a long-established uh, political premise in American politics that we do go to the water cooler at 2.15 every afternoon. Now, the water cooler in question was an ordinary water cooler, which had been uh, paid for by funds which uh, 
we got from contributions from the 1968 campaign. And I have here the... Excuse me one moment, Senator. I have here the receipt which I'm putting into evidence for the payment for that water cooler. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we have we have here a, 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 a copy of that receipt. Do we have that counsel, a copy of that receipt here? Well, I, I, I watch. It's kind of nice. You know, it's kind of exciting that the, the people have little pieces of paper about every damn thing they do in their lives. Do you have little receipts and things about everything? Of course, that. can you imagine how terrible it would be if you were called up before a committee and you'd say, 1971, well, let's see, 71, that was the year I had trouble with the Chevy. Uh, no, I I, uh, I don't remember that year. Uh, I can't remember that year at all. Uh, can, can you remember in such detail everything? No, no way. But the, the thing I like, though, about this uh, committee, you know, this, these Watergate things, is, did you like the way I did Senator Irwin there? Uh, he he has a lot of, of habit, uh, the little tricks. See, and I'll, I'll let you in on some of the some of the little uh, tricks of the trade of the of the mimic, the meme, the mime. Uh, it's not really the mime; it's the mimic. Excuse me. Uh, the tricks of the trade are to k- pick up the essential uh, speech patterns that a guy has, and he has uh, he has a a bad way, a bad habit of doing this. He goes like this. He says. Uh, I uh, uh, see now. Uh, we have we have uh, we we uh, we uh, we have here uh, uh, we have here uh, a, a memorandum that says that it uh, that the sum of uh, one thousand I, I mean one million two hundred I mean one hundred and forty two thousand nine hundred and seventy four dollars and sixty eight cents was expended on that on that uh, uh, on that uh, uh, account. Now, uh, uh, can you gi- can you give us an accurate uh, memory uh, summary of what that uh, amount of uh, one thousand? Uh, I mean, uh, one million. Four, I mean, one hundred thousand four hundred twenty. I mean, one hundred thousand. <laughs> he he's got a habit of always stumbling over over figures, and then and hitting them three times, uh, three different ways. Finally, getting on the last try, about the fourth try, he gets the right one. And then he proceeds to do it again. Now, uh, I, I'm sitting there thinking, uh, who who does that remind me of? That reminds me of somebody. What famous character on radio at one time was based on a character exactly like that? And he was also a senator. Yeah, I, that's right. Remember, remember, he used to say, "I say, son, I say that, I say that, I say, son, that's a joke, son. <laughs> I say that's a joke. You know, I tell you, uh, according to the good book, I, I say, I say that's, you know, uh, as a senator of the U.S. Senate, who, who uh, he's almost an exact duplicate of Senator Claghorn, uh, including even the speech patterns of repeating himself. I say, I say, I say, son, I say that's a joke, son. I say." Uh, now, now, uh, who did that character? There's a, there's a piece of real who? Yeah, who was the guy that did it? There was a character that created it, huh? No, you're wrong. He was a guy who was really famous as a radio announcer. He was not famous as an actor. He was famous as a radio announcer, but he created this character. And uh, he was he was famous character, Senator Senator Clackhorn. And I say, son, that's a joke, son. You remember? 
And uh, but he uh, and and one time I read a uh, a, a kind of uh, reminiscence by this guy, and they asked him how he created the character. He says, "Well, I I took it from life." He says, "One time I was doing a personal appearance with a showdown in the South, and he said we were riding in a uh, in a car or a train or something, and he says, and there was a Southern senator on this uh, train and this car with us, and I was fascinated by the way he talked. He says, and he would always quote the Bible." And uh, he says, he says, no matter what happened, he would quote the Bible. And he says, he says, he always repeat himself. And he says, so I found myself saying things like, uh, it's it's Tuesday. I, I mean, I said it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday, son. That's what it said. And you know, according to the good book, Tuesday comes but once a week. And that's a good thing for all of us to remember. Now let's get on with the next witness. <laughs> and, and I just wonder now, watching uh, the senator, I wonder whether or not this is the guy that he based his character on. Because this man's been a senator for many, many years. Could very well conceivably have been. Yeah. Could see, really conceivably have been. I don't know how old Senator Irwin is. He's probably, you know, well up in his 70s. And uh, this uh, this could very well have been a character created on this guy. Because he certainly has uh, speech patterns very similar to Claghorn. He really does. When you hear me. Even, even including the round, rich accent. Now, I don't wish to question the, the veracity. Of course, he, he also has these little tricks, too, which all Southern and many Northern politicians have. When cornered, they, uh, or when, when, you know, backed into some kind of a little thing, when they sense danger approaching, they retreat into, I'm just a poor, simple country boy. Now, I don't understand these things. I'm just a little old country lawyer, and I don't know about all these tricks in the trade, you know, things like uh, uh, witnesses and all that kind of stuff. All I want to do is get at the truth. So uh, this, <laughs> this, is a, this is an old, uh, an old debater's trick to, when, when, uh, to disarm people. See, the minute, the minute you find yourself uh, suddenly, without any warning, on the defensive, then you say, well, <laughs> I'm just, uh, you know, after all, I'm just, uh, after all, I'm just a uh, you know, just a kid from Indiana. I don't. I don't uh, understand these uh, subtle things. Now, I just uh, don't. Don't. Uh, don't. Uh, don't misunderstand me. I'm just a, a kid from Indiana. I don't. I don't. <laughs> this is a, this is an old trick. But I'm enjoying these things. You know, they're really they're really fascinating. Uh, and I and I I just wonder how uh, how much showbiz has affected us watching these. Uh, that uh, that we're we're used to. Uh, we're used to people when they have their hair brushed and combed and they're young and they got they got high cheekbones. We're used to those guys are good guys, and when they look at us and say uh, look out at us and say uh, no no I'm here before the committee to in the interest of truth I I wish to get it out on the open now uh, before we go any further I would like to read a paper here which I have prepared uh, on the uh, subject at hand. Uh, first off, I want to say I had no knowledge. No knowledge of any of the clandestine affairs that were under uh, investigation at this time. No knowledge whatsoever. My only function was... <laughs> and of course, that's a really honest. He's really honest, that witness. You know, he's very straightforward. We tend to think a witness is honest if he agrees with our ideas about the trial beforehand. That's the honest witness. In other words, uh, 
anytime a guy comes up and says, yeah, yeah, I, I, I did. I reached in the pocket there and I grabbed his money and I run. That's an honest witness. Uh, witnesses raises his hand, the same witness says, no, I didn't do it. That's not an honest witness. If he looks like he did it. So, uh, you know, it's a very difficult, uh, complex uh, problem. This is W.O.R. New York, New York, New York, New York. Made by the W.O.R. New York, New York Company. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I say, son, I say right now, it's son, it's, it, 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 it's, it's son, uh, and as the good book says now, it's time when man is faced with adversity, it's time to lay a commercial on the waters of trouble. You don't have to know a lot about wines. I'll to say know trouble. the time for Dubonnet is before. Before, that's the time to think about some Dubonnet to drink. Before is the proper time of day to have yourself a Dubonnet. Good boy, yeah, good boy. It's the time before for Dubonnet. Dubonnet. Some people can't spell it, and there's hardly a soul who knows it's an aperitif. It's the time before for Dubonnet. Dubonnet Company, New York, New York. The current issue of TV Guide magazine looks at a new wrinkle in television ratings. Come September, a major TV rating service will begin collecting information from its 1,200 families electronically. That will not only add speed, but it may radically change what you see, a special TV Guide report. In the same issue, a profile of Dick Clark. For more than a generation, kids have been gyrating on American Bandstand. The dances may have changed, but Clark hasn't. A report on his survival technique. This week, TV Guide's cover story focuses on the unflappable Bill Macy, who plays Maud's television husband. Macy talks about how he's managed to avoid prosperity, his uninhibited acting in old Calcutta, and his ego-bursting lack of recognition. Look for Mr. and Ms. Maud on the cover of TV Guide, America's biggest-selling weekly magazine. TV Guide, on sale everywhere. Hey, you know, uh, you hear some great lines come out, uh, like, uh, like for example, one witness will look right in the eye of everybody, you know, the whole crowd, and he'll say, uh, Why, uh, no, uh, Senator, uh, no, no, uh, in context with the way things were at the time, I uh, did not think it uh, unusual that uh, we rushed out the back door and burned up all the records. No, uh, I don't think that was an unusual procedure, no. Uh, <laughs> did you hear those lines like that? A kind of, you know, kind of un unwitting, fantastic humor. No, no, I did not think that was unusual, that uh, we carried $742,000 and two green satchels down the back door and uh, snuck across town disguised as ice cream men. No, well, we often do things like uh, that. Uh, you know, uh, speaking of that, if you... Uh, aren't you fascinated with the fantastic amounts of money that are involved? I mean, yes, yes, uh, yes. We often kept uh, seven hundred to nine hundred and twenty-two thousand dollars in our safe for petty cash. Things that may arise. Uh, no, we never ask anybody what they needed it for. They just came in and said, uh, "Give me three hundred thousand dollars," and uh, he had the uh, right uh, signature on the slip there. So I gave it to him in cash. You say in cash? Well, uh, yes. That's the the way we. Uh, proceeded uh, at that time under our system that we were using at that time. 
Uh, we proceeded that way. Uh, that's our standard procedure, yes. Ah, see. Uh, you, you gave him, then, you gave this man who you did not recognize, a man that you had never seen before, 354,000, uh, let's see, 354,000, according to this memo, $354,000 and $0.72. You gave that man that money, and you did not know what it was to be used for, and you gave that man that money, and you did not know that man. You had never recognized that man before. Is that correct? Uh, you, I have to explain that. Let me divide that into two parts begin with. I wish to divide that question into two parts. Uh, there are many people that I do not recognize in life today. I, there are probably millions of people uh, in the course of my existence that I do not recognize. That's point number one. Uh, point number two, it is not inconceivable that one of these people that I do not recognize could come in with the proper authorization uh, to uh, get $375,072 from my office. So I cannot see what the drift of the question is uh, the senator wishes to make. The point seems to me totally irrelevant. But but you say you did not recognize that man then that came in and asked you for $375,000 for an unspecified task. Uh, you did not recognize that man. Is that correct? And not necessarily totally correct, uh, Senator. I, I uh, did recognize uh, the fact that the, uh, he was the sort of man that did work for the committee at the time. Uh, there are many people who come in and come out and uh, leave and rejoin uh, committees at the time of a political campaign, which I do not necessarily, uh, at first glance, recognize. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that I did not recognize this man However, there is a strong possibility that I did not. According to the best of my recollections of the day, and according to, uh, yes, my, according to what my counsel says, uh, uh, the, uh, there's a strong possibility I did not recognize him. Now, I'm not saying that I wish to uh, contradict the testimony of an earlier witness. However, there is a strong possibility that this is so. Just a possibility, I say. Uh, I see. Uh, I wish to pursue another line of question in here. I just kind of you know, this is uh, this is more fun than uh, than uh, than uh, Bobby Fisher and Morris Spassky. I mean, uh, <laughs> it really is. You know, it, it, uh, it, uh, I, I, I like I like the, uh, the the you know the the, the little implication. See that uh, somebody comes walking in. He says uh, another question. You know, the difficult question where he says. Uh, well, now, when that man came in and uh, he said that he wished to have uh, 375,000, uh, let's see what they, the memo says 375,127 cents. He wished to have that amount of money delivered in cash across town to another person. Uh, did you, did you at any point, I say, did you at any point, uh, at any point, sir? Did you? And I'm not questioning the veracity of the witness here to the other members of the committee. I wish to make that point perfectly clear. Uh, do you, on the other hand, tell me that you did not know who that man was that was going to get this $375,000, this unspecified man at the other end of the trip, that the man that previously came in with the, with the check asking for the 300 Do you say that you did not know 
uh, who that man was uh, on the day in question, which was, uh, let me see here, June 25th, 1971. That was the day before the Congress convened and passed the law regarding reciprocal trade agreements with, in respect to the gift taxes. You recall that? Uh, excuse me, uh, Senator, I, I don't quite uh, get the drift of your question. Uh, Senator, would you please rephrase the question? Uh, well, I, I, it was perfectly clear to me what the question, but I will, I will again, I will restate the question. The question uh, in, in, in question is the question I would like to ask you in question at the time of the question we would like to ask about is the following question. Uh, did you know that guy that got that money? Well, now I'd, I'd like to I'd like to uh, clarify an earlier reply that I made to a question very similar to that before the grand jury, before the indictment, the unfortunate indictment, which uh, we will not go into at this time. Uh, I I wish to clarify that the question and the, all the while, see, I th I'm sitting there, I saw, I says, oh, this is. This, this, is, uh, this is all of mankind parading before all of other mankind. Let ye What would we do in this world without trouble? I mean, just think that nothing happened. Gloria Steinem would be out of business. Norman Mailer would write no more books. There'd be no more senators. There'd be no more witnesses. There'd be no more plays, no more novels. What would we do without trouble? So tonight, folks, let us bend in abject supplication. Let us lower our eyes and deeply consider the thanks we owe to that single thing, trouble. We owe a lot to it. Would you please, Bill, uh, reset that in there? I, I, I'm going to use that. We do. Uh, let's give credit where it's due. Trouble is what life is about. If we didn't, ha I mean, other people's troubles primarily. If uh, we, <laughs> we didn't have trouble, oh God, it would be such a dull life, wouldn't it? I mean, such a dull life. I think that's why secretly people uh, are vaguely repelled by the concept of heaven. And they're vaguely attracted by the concept of hell. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Uh, uh, let, uh, let's see what we got there. Chock full. There's a sign being held up that says chock full. Chock full of what? Chocolate oh, I thought there was something else you were saying. Chock All right. Please bring it up there, Big Bill. Heavenly coffee. Heavenly coffee. 8% caffeine free. Your grocer has it, so ask for chock full of nuts, 98% caffeine free coffee, and have heavenly dreams no matter how late you drink it. Heavenly dreams? Now that's quite a promise, chock full. <laughs> Freud would have a hell of a field day with that one. Chock full of nuts is heavenly coffee. Heavenly coffee. <laughs> that's a classic New York tune. That is. That's that's basically New York. Uh, you know. You know what another great New York tune is? Uh, all right. Uh, what what is another basic New York tune? Chock full of nuts. Come on, think. 
How about the one that sings about the, when you're having more than one? Can you sing it? <laughs> of course, there's all kinds of great... Uh, these are classic New York. You don't hear these tunes anywhere else. Uh, in fact, the first time I ran into New York tunes was one time when I was in the Army. And uh, this guy had a, a radio on the barracks, and we were very briefly uh, stationed in the New York area. I'd never been to New York before. And, uh, and every morning at exactly 5.05, this guy had a timer on his radio. And see, our, our, our reveille was at 5.15 a.m. So every morning at 5.05, this guy's damn radio would go off. He'd set it, see, so it'd go off, you know. And it would go, exactly, fantastic timing. Whatever radio station uh, uh, he was listening to, it had a commercial that came on every morning at five minutes past five. And his radio would heat up. Just a fantastic timing. And we'd get this commercial in the barracks. That would be our, our uh, actual uh, uh, reveille in the morning, see? And it was a tune which I, which I always remember, a real New York tune. What was it? Come on, it was a, it was a it was a commercial about a hotel. I'll just let you think about that because it was this girl singing about a hotel, and it was a big big uh, New York spot for a long time. In fact, it just recently kind of vaguely disappeared, and it was a, it was a spot about a, a New York hotel. <laughs> and every morning I'd hear this thing say, and then it would immediately be followed. Uh, just the other day, I heard a lady say, drinking Mission Bell wine because Mission Bell's fine. Just the other day, I heard a lady. And ever since I, I, every time I see cheap wine, I keep thinking, this is, this is, a, you know, kind of the quintessence of New York. You know, what's the price? 30 twice. Just the other day, I heard a lady say. But you know, these, uh, these things, uh, New York uh, has its own, uh, uh, its own folk mores. Like like the other day, get get ready with this one. Now hold it there, just a minute. You know, you see great sights in New York, which uh, which you don't see in most other parts of the country. And, and later on, you see them, but and they're usually kind of muted. But uh, the other day, I'm walking along. Uh, it was hot, you know, really hot. And I'm walking along Fifth Avenue, right? And uh, Fifth Avenue, I'm walking along down in the 40s, they're seen coming downtown on Fifth Avenue on the western side of the street. And uh, everything's cool. So a lot of people are walking along, and it's really hot. See, and ahead of me is the the quintessence of the New York dandy. I mean, uh, you know, the kind you always see in the little sketches in the ads, you know, for Father's Day, these fantastic new duds, you know. <laughs> And uh, this guy, he had this very skinny suit and big flared bottoms, and uh, it was uh, Edwardian, uh, yet the vague cut of uh, of uh, Western, uh, the whole thing. You could see, he had giant mop of hair, all neatly done and quite. You can see his hair was not combed. Believe me, it was styled every day by Alfredo, and he had this giant mop of hair, and uh, he had a, he had a, the enormous uh, what looked like a. a Terry cloth bow tie, gigantic bow tie that lights up. You know, that's the, the big thing these days. He's got the bow tie the whole bit. And he is walking along at, directly ahead of me. And I thought, oh, God, you know, there it is. There's, there's, the, there's the American dandy, see, in full flower. And he's walking along, and I notice 
as we pass the various uh, storefronts, he keeps glancing at himself, at his reflection in the mirrors and in the glass. Then we came to 43rd Street, and he stepped off the curb, and suck, plow, he falls flat on his bottom. He just falls down on his bottom, and his feet go up in the air, see, and, and the wig he is wearing goes on his head sideways. He's got a wig on. There I am right behind him. See, his wig is off, you know. <laughs> At which point his feet are sticking up in the air, and I see why he has fallen heavily on his bottom. He is wearing about uh, four-inch high platform shoes, you know, the, the purple type. See, he's the epitome of fashion. He's wearing these high... And here he is sitting there with his feet, and he has sprained his ankle, and he's holding his ankle like that, see... And the people keep, he gets up and he starts to limp. And he's limping across the street, see, and uh, he's, he's dragging his foot like that, and, and he can't quite make it, see, because his ankles keep turning over. You've got to remember now to wear this current style, you've got to have strong ankles, just like ice skating. <laughs> so the guy is struggling along, and I thought to myself, oh, what a beautiful scene. He struggles up the curb on the other side of 43rd Street, see, at the... He straightens up, puts his wig back on his head, and undaunted, with a very slight but uh, noticeable limp, with his three-inch high platforms, purple-colored, he struggled against the tide. The American Dandy, 1973. Now, now, wait a minute. Hold it there, Bill. Uh, it's too bad Art is sneaking out. He's one of these guys that should hear this lecture. Because <laughs> Art is just the type of guy that wears three-inch high platforms riding a bicycle. You know, something like that. But um, I saw these shoes, see, and it, and I was I was hit by something right away. Uh, of course, we've got, in our country, we've got two fantastic fetishes going. Uh, one of them is the hair fetish, which we don't even have to discuss. The hair fetish in our time is as marked uh, and as completely uh, developed as, uh, say, the foot fetish of the Chinese back around three or 400 years ago. It's, it's a very important thing. But we're developing also a fetish with the feet. You know, there, there's a whole big thing now, the foot fetish. You thought about it that way? Well, Freud would have. <laughs> But the guy that's got the purple shoes doesn't. He doesn't think of it that way. He just thinks, you're on these groovy purple shoes. And, it, and if his friend Manny says, but you can't walk on them, Al. Well, what do you mean walk? I mean, uh, they're, they're, these are groovy shoes. Now, this is a, this is a whole thing. See, that, that, that in, in, in fact, relates to the fetish concept. But uh, I, I, I was looking at this guy's purple shoes. He's struggling along ahead of me, and he can hardly... Re remain upright. Incidentally, this happens to be the third person I have seen fall heavily <laughs> wearing these high shoes. Have you seen anybody yet go? Have you, Jared? I've seen three. Why do I see these things? Maybe you don't notice what kind of shoes that a guy's wearing when he falls. Well, I have, I have, uh, I saw one chick down on, uh, in, the, in dry dock country, by the way. This is elegant country, you know, dry dock country, where even the hot dogs have style uh, in dry dock country she fell flat on her you know what and when she did one of her shoes flew off 
You know, these are heavy. You know, it's about like having bowling balls in your feet. One of her shoes flew off and went right out in the middle of 59th Street. And uh, her friends picked her up, and she staggered around. They, they put her shoe, they strap her shoe back on, and uh, the three of them went teetering down the street. Uh, <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, that's, you know, uh, that's, uh, that's a very interesting thing to see these shoes. You know, to me, it is, because, uh, oh, that reminds me, before we go any further, speaking of shoes, would you hit the uh, shoe button, please? And now, Mr. Lionel Marshall from Marching On Stores. <clears throat> I have purchased this time in an effort to combat certain rumors that are being spread about what is supposed to be my secret identity. Now, as you know, in my shoe town stores, I offer huge selections of up-to-date famous brand shoes, which are nationally advertised for much more, and I sell them at my incredibly low shoe town prices. I've been able to do this because of my very close relationship with Super Shoe, who travels the world over at little or no cost. So, let me make this one thing perfectly clear. It would be very easy for me to say that I am Super Shoe, but I am not. Oh, shucks. Doggone, another illusion shattered. Here all along I thought he was Super Shoe. Sandals that sell elsewhere for $22 are only $14.99 at Shoe Town. And sandals that sell in other stores for $14 are just $7.99 at Shoe Town. That means you save from 31 to 42 percent. Ladies, for the styles and the savings, shop at Shoe Town. Okay? And while we're doing uh, commercials, let's do another one here. Father's Day is coming up, gang, and it's time to remember Prozies. That's the Army-Navy store, 121 Main Street in Hackensack, and its companion store, Prozies for Men and Boys at 35 Ridge Road in North Arlington. They have all this great stuff. If your old man is hung on canteens, gas masks, underwater uh, zap equipment, uh, flippers for his feet, work clothes, you know, all that kind of stuff that the, those guys are, that the father type are involved in, you'll find all that at Prozies. Well, uh, I'll tell you, though, what, what influenced me forever. I thought to myself, it, did, it really has. Uh, I, not many people can honestly say they have been influenced in their thinking for life by a museum exhibit. I, at one point in my, my uh, struggling early existence, saw a museum exhibit. We had this lady named Miss Bundy. She's a, a fat, spongy lady who played uh, the piano at the PTA. And uh, she had this yellow straw. Her hair was like yellow straw. Yeah, it stuck out all over. You know, and she had these, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know that type of lady. And uh, she had these big flower dresses. And uh, Miss Bundy was a very kindly lady. All the kids, yeah, all the kids liked her. You know, she was a real mother type. And Miss Bundy would uh, take us on these. Uh, she she taught second or third or fourth grade, one of those grades. And uh, Miss Bundy was the official take the kids on a, an afternoon at the museum teacher. Do you recall ever going on any of those expeditions when you were a kid? You know, you go to the museum and all that stuff, or you go to the park, or you go to, go to the zoo and look at the camels and stuff. Well, on this one big day, Miss Bundy uh, had a busload of kids from the Warren G. Harding School, which at the time I was attending. And so you can see as a, uh, as a student... Uh, after all, I was a student of, uh, of the school named after uh, 
the president notably uh, noted mostly for the gigantic chicanery in his administration, right? So uh, this stuff does not surprise me. Anybody that went to a school named Warren G. Harding is used to almost anything and inured to it. And uh, I, I, uh, I, I presume in the next uh, 100 years there will be schools called the Watergate PS12. Uh, <laughs> sure, you know, why not, you know? Because every, everything in history always is re-evaluated 100 years later and found to be wrong. Have you noticed now in the Times, they recently, there was some guy now has conclusively proved that Benedict Arnold was a good guy and was framed. Well, this is inevitable. In a hundred years, some guy's going to write a piece proving that Hitler was totally misquoted. And, uh, and he was framed. This is always the way with history. So in a hundred years, uh, I suspect that uh, there will be the Warren G., there will be the uh, G. Gordon Liddy Memorial Library. Well, sure, you know, they'll be reevaluated. It always is. It's always this way. It's it's inevitable. So anyway, uh, there I was, you know, in, in the Warren G. Harding School with uh, all these kids in the bus, and we went to the Field Museum in Chicago. And uh, it's a great big museum, fantastic museum. Uh, it's uh, it, one of the most exciting museums in the world. If you ever get a chance to visit it, man, go to it. That's a fantastic museum. It really is. And... They, she's taken us around, you know, various sub things to see. And one of the things that they have there at this museum is a gigantic case. I mean, it's an enormous one. It's about like uh, two stories high. It's all glass, see? And it's about uh, 100 feet wide. And in the case is this unbelievable, fantastic collection of shoes, old shoes, that go back like, say, uh, 4,000 years B.C., you know, they actually discovered shoes in various tombs and stuff, all the way on up, you know, to like the present day. And uh, so all of us kids are standing, look at these fantastic shoes. And, of course, all of us are wearing CAD tennis shoes, you know, which eventually will wind up in a museum just like that anyway. So we're looking at these shoes, and here was a collection of Chinese shoes, you know, big high platform things, the, the, the wooden things on the bottom, see? And uh, this was about like 300 years from then, you know, way back, seeing they had these wooden things on the bottom, high platforms with drawings of how they wore them. And Miss Bundy, I remember her saying, well, you see, back in the uh, the early days, in the primitive days, uh, people wore strange things uh, due to the curious religious uh, beliefs of the time. Now, people had trouble walking on those, of course, but they... They wore them because of the strange beliefs which we have now outgrown. Man has grown up since those days and no longer wears things like those big wooden things on the feet. And uh, you boys and girls now are looking at how things were in China 300 years ago. And you'll notice that the French ladies of only 150 years ago wore very pointy shoes with very high heels. Now, many of them had to be carried from one place to the other because they could not walk on their shoes. And there I'm a kid saying, gee, what a, what a nutty scene that must have been. You know, the people, their shoes were so bad that they had to carry them around. You know? She says, well, that's called fashion. Nobody has been able to, to uh, understand what fashion's about, but that's called fashion. Now, boys and girls, let's go on and uh, see the cavemen. We moved on.
I've never forgotten that exhibit. And I, I, I say that the purple shoes with the gold studs on the side and uh, with the uh, silver straps that are being worn by people of all three sexes today uh, will eventually be in museums. And the people, a hundred years from now, kids will be standing in front of a case and a lady will be saying, well, boys and girls, a hundred and fifty years ago, the people had strange beliefs, and uh, many of those beliefs we still today do not quite understand. It, it caused them to wear purple shoes. You notice those? Many of them uh, could not walk on them. They, in fact, uh, uh, were carried around the streets uh, due to the fact that now uh, let's move on to the cavemen. <laughs> Nothing changes. The only thing that changes is the PR that's given from time to time. You know, I say, I say now, in pursuance of that question, Mr. Witness, I say 